God remains good. I love that uh, saying that most African churches, I don't know about the um, European churches, whether they repeat this word, but God is good, and it's always all the time. <laughs> and then all the time, God is good. I love it when I hear that because it is true. It's not just something that they recite or just go because they have to, uh, have to say it, but it's because it's the truth. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. We started with this um, verse last week. And uh, we're going to try to finish it this morning. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. And this is what it says. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I titled my preach last week as we started this particular verse. Um, from this um, verse, I titled it, One Thing I Do. One Thing I Do. Now already when you look at the scripture, there's a lot of, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of questions, a lot of remarks that we can make. He says, one thing I do. Okay, what is that one thing? We will learn about that shortly. Uh, forgetting, but the answer is yeah. Forgetting things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So the answer is there. The one thing he does, he forgets what's uh, behind and he looks forward to what's ahead. But there's more to that. How, how does he do it? What does it look like? So, um, let us learn, let us look at this word and try and make sense of it in our lives today, how it relates to us today. Now, the truth is that few of us possess notable powers of concentration. Few of us can say that we are, we are super men and women when it comes to concentration. And the reason for this lack is we do not live for a single purpose and a clear goal. Um, you, would, you would remember in school, I mean, I don't know how many subjects we have um, before you end up to do your metric. I think it's eight teachers, seven. Now, seven subjects that our children have to concentrate, have to study, that's a lot of stuff. And the subject is not just one-liners. So the first subject is a one-liner. The second subject is another liner. And so it's like seven lines that you have to remember. No, each subject contains a lot of stuff that you have to learn. And you've got to concentrate. So most of us have almost been, even from a school perspective, we have been inundated with over-information. Over-information. Today we look at the, the world we live in. How many times are we bombarded with info? How many times are we just thrown into the deep end? Choose that. No, no, don't choose that because that's not good for you. Or this and that and the other. We are just so bombarded with information. And so we lack um, the power to concentrate because of all this stuff that is just uh, thrown at us. Our pursuits as Christians, and even to the world, those who are not Christians, our pursuits are kind of splatter all over the show. 
they're all over the map. In business, you know, we're told you have to have goals. You have to, you have to aim higher. And you work, you, there's, a, there's strategies to get to this, but you've got to maintain your strategy in order to reach point A. When you reach point A, it's not good enough. Well, it is good enough, but then you need to go higher. You need to reach point B. Um, when you reach point B, guess what? You've got to go higher, C and so forth. Um, and so part of it is that we have so many things. I mean, business is a, is a good example because I, I relate to that. Uh, forgive me if, um, uh, if you don't relate to it, but I'll, I'll help you understand it if I, if I can. Not that I know the, uh, most of it, but I, I, I kind of do. But business, um, because we're in, a, we're in a service world, for instance, there's, there's just so many things. People are inundated with so many things that we have to achieve in, in the service world. And... Um, we are spread thin because we, we have to achieve that. You, you're busy with that goal, then alongside to that, there's this other goal. Alongside to that, there's this other goal. And so there's just so many goals that we have to kind of try and get to. And that doesn't help, but I'll, I'll try to paint a better picture than that uh, shortly. But business is a, is, a good, is a good one because our goals, our, our pursuits are rather uh, splattered all over the map. All over the show. And Paul here was a man who um, incorporated a definition into his life. So all these goals, Paul put them together and there was a definition. There was one goal. There was one thing that he aimed for. There was one concentration that he had. He knew the destiny of his life. And he focused on this. So he starts off by saying, but one thing I do. The phrase one thing I do means concentrated purpose. One thing I do. Not 60,000 things that I do. One thing I do. So he sifts through all these other things and he says, this is the one thing that I do. He concentrates on this one thing. He was a man of consolidated goal. Now, we know Paul and his stature, his history. He could have chosen many other, other options, but he chose only one. His life was not like a, you know, I don't know what, a good example. Am I allowed to use guns, shooting guns in, in church? Um, I don't know what gun you, you shoot with and it splatters everywhere. It's like... Uh, whereas a, a rifle or a sniper, it's direct. It is uh, targeted. It's pinpoint. It's not bam and then it just goes everywhere. Hopefully you, you hit your target with a, with a rifle, I think it is, or a sniper rifle. It's directed. And this was Paul's attitude, Paul's um, uh, mentality. Many of us, have many purposes which are spread across the board. It, and the, as a result, it spreads us. We become so thinly um, mounted. We become, we, it's just, there's so many. There's so many things that we are trying to concentrate on. And as a result, we're trying to do that thing, trying to do the other thing, and this and that. And as a result of that, we somehow become ineffective in all of these things. Paul understood that actually he cannot be 
He cannot do all these things. Rather, let's concentrate on one thing, and we do this one thing well. We do this thing well. And all those other things perhaps will come alongside him, and he will try and manage it as it will. But he had a concentrated purpose on one thing. One thing. See, we, we do so many things that all we can do is kind of spread out a little. Um, so I've done this, put my efforts there, then I'm doing my, putting my efforts in the second thing, the third thing. When I get to the fourth, sixth thing, there's not much in me to give to the sixth effort. Paul was not like that. He, uh, he decided, actually, uh, the other things might be good, but do they help me get to that one point? This is the concentration. This is where I want to get to. How am I going to get there? That is the concentration. We spread ourselves thin. And as, as I said, business is a, is a good example. So in business, um, we are often short-handed, which is why we suffer such poor service. Do we, I mean, most of us will complain of the service that we get in most businesses. It's very rare that we get good service. And of course, when we do get good service, we are in, in, in shock. I mean, how? In a world where everything is so poor, when you, there's a good thing that comes out, we are in shock. And the reason, or part of the reason is too few employees do too much. Businesses don't have enough uh, resources to um, hire enough staff, so they hire what they can, but there's just so much that those little um, resources they have have to do. And if there's so much that they have to do, guess what? Each one then will do the little bit, not 100%. You'll give whatever you can, and you try your best, but it's not your best because it's not 100%. It's, for instance, 40%, whatever the case might be. So there's so much that we have to do, um, and we don't have the energy and the, the ability to do it. I mean, few can do their jobs with excellence as a result of that. Few of us can do our jobs with excellence because we're just everywhere. We're just everywhere. And we see it. People with better abilities get snatched up by more or higher paying uh, companies because they've got better abilities. And those with lesser ability reduce the quality of workmanship. It just happens. Because this is how much I can afford. So I bring in uh, the people that can only afford. But the work just keeps on piling. Somehow we don't learn. Or we don't, uh, yeah, we don't learn how to say no to some. Some things are not necessary. Some things we need to learn to say no to. Uh, sp- I'm speaking to myself in business in the church, in the things that we are doing in life that that Jesus Christ has died for us. We need to learn to say no sometimes. But then we need to to have the wisdom to know what to say no to. Because some things we say no to and then we end up going backwards when we are supposed to say yes to those things and let go of the others. So then our concentration needs to be geared to that thing that we've said yes to. Because we've got one goal. We've got one a concentrated purpose. So it's better for us to focus on one thing. Now, of course, in a world that we live in, uh, in 
it's <coughs> when I say that I know in your head you're probably thinking that's impossible. How do I concentrate in, on, on one thing? It's, it's impossible. It's better to identify what is priority, what is the right thing, what is, what is, the, what, what is my purpose, what has God called me to in the midst of this life that he's given me, what has he called me to, and concentrate on that as your, as your key. And all these other things will fall into place as we move forward. Now there's a few, there's three points I need to, uh, we, we can learn from this scripture that I'd like to highlight um, for us this morning when it comes to concentrated um, purpose in God. And the first is that single-mindedness is needed. Single-mindedness is needed. Is it even a word, mindedness, English people? That thing is needed. Number one, single-mindedness is needed. We need to be a people who learn how to be single-minded about something. We need to be a people who uh, understand what our purpose is in God and focus on that. Focus on getting to that, uh, that purpose. Paul developed a sense of single-mindedness, a dedicated, determined passion for fulfilling the purpose of his life. And as he writes this, he's concerned about reducing all the many goals that the world throws at us into one thing. The one thing that God has called you. So what is your purpose? What is your goal? You need, you need to work it out with God and allow Him to work it out with you and show you how to do it. So it says, the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind Forgetting those things that are behind. Now many Christians keep skeletons in their closet. Many of us do. We keep things in our closet. We hide secret sin in our hearts. And every time some reversal comes into our lives, we convince ourselves that it is due to the sins that we have committed in the past. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. And because we do this as Christians, we walk around and carry guilt complexes as we go. We walk around like in guilt. You cannot walk, you cannot function, you cannot go to the, to the purpose um, with a... a, 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 a um, what's the word? With the zeal, wanting to get there because you are fe feeling guilty. Something is tripping you up because you're thinking all oh, those things that I'm hiding behind, those sins that I have committed, um, those things uh, are, are tripping me up. They're tripping me up. And so we devoid um, or we neglect the biblical liberty that we read in Galatians 5 verse 1, which is this. Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not entangle yourselves again with the yoke of bondage. We actually uh, almost override that scripture. 
because scripture is truth. It says yeah, we are therefore to stand, to stand uh, fast and strong in the liberty that Christ Jesus has made us free. Has made us free. Some of us, unfortunately, live in past regret. Now, as I, as I was preparing this, I was thinking for, about myself, and I'm speaking to me today. Some of us, perhaps even me, no, not perhaps, me actually live in past regret. We regularly grieve over past bad choices that we have made. We rehearse our failures and sin over and over and over and over to ourselves. Are you guilty of that, perhaps? I'm guilty of that. I rehearse it sometimes. I've done that, and so I rehearse it over and over and over to myself. There seems to be a compulsion to continually punish ourselves for those failures, lest we fall again. Now, when we do that, when we practice this rehearsing, this I have messed up, the secret sins that I have done, um, when we keep on practicing this belief system, what it actually does, it cripples us as Christians. It actually cripples us. It stops us into, from walking into the things that God has for, um, gone ahead and prepared for us. If we believe that to be true, that he has gone ahead and prepared good works for you and I to walk into. I love that scripture. I'm sure you will have noticed by now. If we believe that to be true, then why are we so um, um, tripped up with the things of the past that we have done? That we have done. And when we do that, we in, in fact reject the finished work of Christ. On the cross. Do we believe that Jesus Christ has forgiven you your sins? <coughs> Since we've confessed, we've messed up, yes, we're not, we're not perfect, we're humans. Yet we rehearse, we live in past regret. Those things trip us up. We don't want to go forward because of things, ah, can you believe I did that or I can't believe? And it trips us up. But Jesus Christ says, I have forgiven you. So much so that he says that in his word that he forgives our sins from um, as far as the east is to the west. He remembers those things no more. Do you believe that? And if you do, then why do you keep rehearsing the thing over your life? Others nurse injustices that others do to them. How many of us are guilty of it? Nursing injustices that people have done unto me. And to us, we cannot disengage from those, those hurts. Someone messed up, someone hurt me, and when I hold on to that thing, and it kills me. But I'm still holding on to it. I, I just keep on holding on to it. We cannot disengage. We cannot allow ourselves to forgive those who have hurt us. The injustice may have happened 20 years ago. Yet, it is still so present today in our lives. As though it was yesterday. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. 
some things that have happened to me in my life, on, uh, from people that I've, uh, tr- I've um, trusted, close people who have hurt me. And man, I nursed those injustices. So this morning I'm speaking to myself, God help me to forgive those who have hurt me. And this is what happens in my head. I think, oh, I think of that person. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot even stand thinking about them. Meanwhile, that person is a Christian brother or sister. Yet, because of the injustice that perhaps happened to me, I cannot stand thinking about them. Every time I think about them, I can't get over it. Can't get over the injustice that hurt. Every time I think about the injury, amen, it just overwhelms me with perhaps even anger. And I try to suppress that anger. But it's deep down, it's still inside of me. And actually, if I had to be honest, not, not many of us know how, to get, how to, to get rid of it. We have to be honest with ourselves. We don't necessarily know. In fact, maybe we want to get rid of it. We want to forgive, possibly. But we just don't know how to do it. But Jesus Christ gives us an answer, which we'll get to just now. Number two. So number one. In order to achieve this concentrated purpose for our lives, we need single-mindedness. We need to concentrate. We need to look. We need to find that thing. Number two, calculated forgetfulness is needed. Calculated forgetfulness. And I say that calculated uh, specifically. Calculated forgetfulness is needed. See, Paul here speaks of forgetting the things that are behind. The past has to be mainly left aside. It has to be left behind. (laughs) Actually, you cannot go back and take the past and bring it. You can't change what's happened there. That's happened. But you certainly can change and can affect the things that happen into the future. We know this. I know this. Of course, we do not forget God's goodness to us. So I say calculated forgetfulness is needed. There are some things we choose to forget and some things we don't choose to forget. We don't choose to forget God's goodness over us. Because God's goodness over us, the the testimony that we bear um, as we have lived our lives, those things we need to remember because they hold us. They encourage us when the, the, the winds come and the storm is just, it's just going crazy. Those, that, that stuff we need to remember. God is good. It is one of his qualities. His attribute. He is good. So we don't forget about God's goodness. Nor do we forget the lessons we have learned from the past. We cannot be like those ostriches that bury their heads under the sand and, and hope for the best. We, you know, we've got to be real. We've got to be real. We've got uh, to be aware of what's going on. We do. But as we are aware, we remember those lessons learned so that we don't repeat them because of our negligence or whatever the case might be. And we don't forget God's goodness. 
but we do choose to forget our past suffering. <laughs> That's a hard one. Forget about your past uh, suffering. Forget about your past failure. Hard thing to do. I think we forget about God's go- It's easy to forget about God's goodness. And the lessons kind of learnt out of the, the seasons that we've gone through, it's easier to forget those things and harder not to forget the suffering. We nurse the sufferings in our lives and the failures. May I even say we even choose to forget past successes for that matter. We choose to forget past successes. We learn from them, but we don't dwell, we don't glory on them. We forget the good things and the bad things. Calculated, we choose, we choose to forget these things. In order, we do these things in order to concentrate on better things ahead. So God offers through this scripture... You forget the things that are behind, and I know it's hard, but try to. But how do you do that? By thinking of the things that are ahead. You've done, you've lived up until now. Let's forget those things that need to be forgotten, the past failures and the suffering. But let's look beyond and think of the good stuff that is ahead. Those plans and purposes, those good works that he has prepared for you and I to walk into. Those are what we look forward to. And as we look at those things, we are then able to forget about the former things. The truth is, it will do us no good if we are gripped with resentment over past failings and past sufferings. Remember how um, badly Paul was treated throughout the course of his life as a Christian. We remember how, can you imagine if he held on to those things? Could he even achieved a speck of the things that he did for Christ? I don't, I don't know. I think he'll be crippled. He'll be crippled because it's just so, this thing is so real. It's so, it's so entangling. So it's not good for us to be gripped and and hang on to those resentments over the past. Or even we get gripped with the sense of failure. So you've tried things and you've failed. There's a a guy who's a motivation speaker and one of his lines he says, I, oh no, you, person trying to achieve whatever, will fail your way to success. You will fail your way to success. And I love that because it brings perspective. So in business, when I'm trying one thing and I fail at it, okay, do I give up? Or do I pick my, uh, learn from that and try the next, you know, as I move forward? Or do I just give up and say, oh man, I failed. I'm a failure. It doesn't work like it. You will fail your way to success. Even in the Christian context, I, I, I think you would fail your way to, uh, to, to success in God. In God. Remember that Paul was a persecutor. Before, he persecuted the Christians. He persecuted the church. 
if he lamented and, and hung around that thing, was crippled by the, what he did, can you imagine? Would he have ever achieved the things that God had called him to achieve? I don't think so. Because your mind is powerful. We swear, Wesley reminded us. We have to renew our minds daily by the reading of God's word, by the fellowship of believers, by, the, by hearing his word, by meditating on his word. Yes, we've messed up. But thank God for his mercy and his grace. His blood has covered us. His blood has forgiven us. Therefore, we are not to hang there. And like I said, I'm not speaking to you as um, it, I've done it. I know it all. I'm speaking to me first as I speak to you. Equally, it does not help us to spend our time admiring our own wins. Admiring our own successes. Yes, we learn and we appreciate those things. Thank God for the ability to, that you've allowed me to achieve these things. But it doesn't help us to spend all our time, oh, look at me, look what I've done, I've done so, I've done well. I've done well. Why? Because our work is not yet finished on this earth. Whatever you've achieved through God's grace, we thank Him for that. That's why I said you don't calculate it for forgetfulness. We don't forget those things. Thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace that I'm able to do these things. I'm able to achieve these things. But we don't dwell there. We don't dwell there because our work here on earth is not done yet. It is not finished yet. There's more to be done for Jesus. God forgets our sins and our iniquities, he says in his word. So guess what, my dear friends? So should we. So should we. Once they have been forgiven by the blood of Christ... There are no more. Then we then press on to higher things that God has called us to. So number two, calculated forgetfulness is needed here. Are we together? Uh, as I said, I'm speaking to me. Lord, help me to forget those things. Help me to forget those things and help me to not forget things, the things I don't need to forget. Help me to make those calculated forgetfulness in my life. And also help me, God, to, have, to be single-minded for the things that you've called me to. Now the word forget means literally to forget upon or over. That is, we forget in consequence of something else. You don't just forget for the sake of forgetting. You forget because of something else that's to come, as I said earlier. We can get over past hurts because of something more substantial into the future. Since forgiveness is ours by Jesus Christ, what consequence is there to past hurts? Is it worth us dwelling and stewing in this hurts and the suffering and this stuff, lamenting and just being in this little cocoon of, of um, self-pity, as it were. What, what, what uh, good does that do for us? Since we have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, 
what good does it do for us to lament on past wrongs in the light of Christ's forgiveness? In fact, what we need to do with God's help is assign to oblivion every pain of the past because of the cross. If you think of the cross, we ask Jesus to help us to assign every single past failing, hurt, whatever it might be, into oblivion because of the cross. The reality for me, for us, is that we need to forget the wrongs and move on. We actually have to do that. It's healthy for us to do that. You know that whole saying, forgive and forget? Uh, there's reason for that. There is merit to that. We actually need to get, the, get to the place where, and, it, and I know, where does it hurt the most? It's probably in, in relationships. Whether be it a marriage relationship, a church relationship, a work relationship, it always hurts the most when it's involving relationships. And we are called to be a relational people. Now, why would that be the case? It would be better if I was born into a little island and I didn't have to know anyone. I did my thing. And I'm sure you would, would probably think that way at times. Boring. Very boring, yes. And I wouldn't get such lack of food from my wife and such a, a good company from, from uh, my friends. I wouldn't have such uh, beautiful and wonderful kids. Just there's things... Man, life will be so boring. God has called us to be together. But as we accept being together, we need to be um, a people who are mature enough to realize that at some point, you will criticize me because of my actions. At some point, I will criticize you because of your actions. Um, and it, that's the same in marriage or in school or in work. It, it will happen. But how we handle it is what counts the most. How we handle it is what counts the most. But we need to uh, forgive and forget. We do. Because temporal spiritual death occurs in the believer because he or she wants to punish the other person for what was done to them. I'm sure um, you've heard of that saying, of that statement. Um, when we don't for, for, forgive the person who has done an injustice upon you, what happens is that it's like we drink the poison and expect that person to suffer from that uh, poison. That's what's happening. So I'm drinking the poison, I'm not forgiving, I'm, uh, and I'm wanting you who hurt me, or whatever the case is, to get... To get um, uh, to get hurt, to, to, to get, um, what's the word? Die from the poison, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. That is straight to the point. I'm drinking the poison and I want you to die. How foolish is that? How foolish is that? Let's not drink the poison. Let's not want other people who have caused us to have whatever hurt, sufferings, um, to die from this poison. That's actually, uh, forget about those things that's happened to us and think of the things that are ahead, the things that are ahead for us because God has already prepared good works for you and I to walk into. 
And you see, the Greek actually indicates that when uh, we do this, when we forgive and forget, there is benefit. There's benefit. There's benefit in our lives. There's benefit when we forgive and forget past failings or, or disappointments. And there's benefit when we forgive others. Because that thing does not cripple us, doesn't tie us, doesn't shackle us. Because remember, God has a great future for us. Let me uh, do number th- point number three, and then uh, we'll, we'll leave it there for today. So the first point, in terms of concentrated purpose um, with our lives, is that we are to um, have single-mindedness. We've got to be single-minded, we've got to be focused, we've got to know that God has something for us and be walking into that. And whatever comes our way, whatever storm comes, whatever, um, whatever comes, we are not moved, we're not shaken. We might be shaken, we might be almost taken out, we might be crippled, we might be um, injured as we move forward, but that does not uh, negate the fact that there's a purpose ahead. That's concentration, like Paul. Then the second thing is we need to have um, calculated forgetfulness in our, in our lives. So we need to look at our lives and think of the things we need to forget. What are those things that are not beneficial for you going forward? We choose to forget that we choose to leave those at the foot of the cross. Those things that are, that are beneficial moving forward, we choose. Again, it's us. We choose to remember them. As I said, remember God's goodness. Remember God's forgiveness. And then number three is that we have to have a forward-looking vision for the future. That is needed. We need to have a forward-looking vision for the future. He says this, Paul, in the scripture, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, it's not, it's not good enough to just forget the things of the past. We should think of things ahead too. I think I've said that already. Because there is so much more. There's so much unconquered spiritual territory that we cannot waste time on past failures. How's that? There's so much more ahead that us standing here looking at the back and lamenting and, and, and it's actually stopping us from moving forward to the things that God has. That there's a bigger horizon that God has for us. And again, as I said in the past, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving Christ for. Chronic, chrono, chronological uh, date is not what is the point. Chronological date is not the point. The point is, what do you do with the years that God has given you on this earth? How influential are you to, the, uh, to achieving those things that God has gone ahead and prepared for you? And the enemy's plan is to make us keep on remembering the past. Keep on remembering the past. And in fact, who knows that when we nurse those injustices that people have done, because it's generally it's not, it's not 
dogs or cats or animals or machines that causes injustice. It's people. <laughs> when we're trying to avoid them because we, whatever the case might be, who knows that they just somehow keep on coming across our paths. Ever noticed that? They just come across our paths. And I do believe part of the reason for that is God giving you an opportunity to um, acknowledge that there's something that's happened there that needs to be rectified. <coughs> but you can't rectify it by yourself. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. See, so it's not enough to forget the things of the past. We should think of things ahead. There's so much more for us to achieve. We should invite God to push back the past and open up the horizon into the future. What would God do if we would let him do that? Could you imagine? Ask yourself, what do you think God would do in your life going forward? If you let him push back the things that have crippled us, that are stopping us from moving forward and allowed him to open up the horizon, the future, what would he do? What would he achieve through you? The truth is the best is yet ahead for the child of God. The best is yet ahead for the child of God. I think there's a song that says the best is yet to come. The best, and it's true. The best is yet ahead for the child of God. The best and most fruitful years are yet before the spiritual person who's alive. So I can imagine you've achieved all sorts of things. So you are, you've done stuff. And how dare I come and say, no, there's more for you to achieve. How dare I say that? But in God's kingdom, it's true. The things that you have achieved in our eyes are great. It's, it's amazing. But in God's eyes, has, that's not, that's just, you've just kind of um, touched what I have for you. There is more to be achieved in me, through me. And the beautiful thing he says is those things I have prepared for you. Those things I have gone ahead and prepared for you. So all you need to do is just let me. Trust me and let me. So in closing, the reality and the truth for us today is God wants us to concentrate on his purpose for us in time. Have you forgotten the purpose that God has, have you, has you alive still for? Have you forgotten that? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you uh, remember if that's the case. Because God wants you to remember that and concentrate on that. Focus on that. <coughs> and that thing that uh, cripples us, the word says, once we confess our sins, it is forgiven. But we have to confess it. We have to acknowledge it and confess it. Once we've done that, we should never look back on that sin. That's a hard thing as a human. Man, I know, I catch myself wanting to remembering what that person did. Or Yet, perhaps they've, already, they've even come and um, apologized and asked for forgiveness. And I have uttered these words, uh, yes, I forgive you. Yet, I walk around having those thoughts in the back of my mind. We cannot afford to rem remember those things. We cannot afford to look back. Once others have confessed their sin... We should never hold them to those sins. 
And it's also not enough to forget the past. God wants you and I to enter the track, that locomotive, that train that He's allowed you to be. He wants you to enter that track that He's created for you to glorify His Son Jesus through your life. Our focus should change from, uh, from past pain to future prevail. Let's forget about the past calculated uh, forgiveness and, and think of the, uh, the wonderful horizon God has for us. And a key to conquering the past is to focus on the future. Key to conquering the past is to focus on the future. Paul will say he reaches out for those things that are ahead. So how future orientated are we? Are those other things that are crippling, crippling us? Are there, as a past hurts, past injustices, sufferings that are actually stopping us from seeing the greater horizon that God has for us? Why don't you close your eyes? And I'm going to pray for God to highlight those things if they are in your lives right now. Jesus, we come to you and we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And I pray for me, pray for us as a children, God. We don't want to focus on the things of the past. Thank you for the victories that we've had. Thank you, Lord, for the successes that you've allowed us to have. But I ask God that you help us to reach forward to the things that you are for us into the future. Those things, God, that are hindering us, those past injustices, Lord, sufferings, the forgiveness that I need to, to um, uphold, God, I ask that you'd show us. And by your grace, you'd help us to do those things, God. And as I pray this morning, God, this preach, like every other preach, God is speaking to me. Show me the things that I have allowed to cripple me. And help me, God, to let go. Help me, God, to see the future. Help me, God, to believe your word when you say that the past sins, the sins, God, you, if we confess it, Father, you have forgiven it. It's gone. And that you have greater and mighty things for us to do into the future. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.